Welcome everyone to this new episode of The Ramp podcast by Customer Strategy and Design. And next to me is the new host, Luca. Hello, Luca. Welcome. Thanks, Bart. Today we're going to talk about pricing. Uh, also, a warm welcome to our guest of today, Ruud. Uh, Ruud, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm here with uh, Deloitte now for, for, for a year. Um, with great pleasure, I have to say. It, is, uh, it has been a very... Uh, fast track um, implementation with the entire team and including myself but uh, so far so good uh, really enjoying especially uh, being surrounded by um, yeah a very special uh, group of, uh, of partners colleagues um, very powerful organization really enjoyed it I, and prior to that I um, I've run a very specific uh, company on Um, on pricing profitability improvement for what uh, Deloitte would say is ERNI uh, space uh, with a very quantitative approach to it. ERNI, what, what does that mean? Uh, energy, resources and industrials, but basically B2B uh, companies. Okay. Yeah. And now we're going to talk about pricing. I mean, I have a, a general idea about what pricing would, would be, but could you explain to our listeners what it would mean? Yeah, well, in, well we, a while ago we had a radio campaign actually, which was quite funny, I think. But uh, it was uh, something saying like, uh, uh, okay, right, you're doing everything for your customer. Huh? You innovate, you produce, you supply, uh, you deliver. Uh, there's one thing you get back from your customer, and that's the price. Make sure that's right. And and that's actually what it is. It's it's the one thing in return uh, that you get for all the things that you, uh, what you're actually doing. Uh, once they buy, of course, and um, yeah, th- that that is pricing, and it also reveals that there's so much behind it. Um, that is not just a tag on something you sell, uh, but it is the proposition, it's the portfolio, it is the uh, the story along with it. Um, it is having uh, understanding of ability to compete. Um, so it's it's a, it's it's a, it's actually a, a wealth of. Uh, different angles uh, within this pricing. Um, a question on that, like how Deloitte is positioning uh, on pricing um, globally uh, first, and specifically the Netherlands, uh, how is that handling? I think Deloitte has a very unique space in this, uh, in this environment because there are, let's say, different... Um, approaches to deliver and help customers with pricing. At the one hand side, there's the, the full strategic pricing support um, on, let's say, how to reposition companies. Um, and on the strategic level, at the far other end is the, the, the software vendors providing all type of pricing solutions and applications. And I think that, uh, that we, we position ourselves very uniquely uh, in between. Um, it's not that we, um, and I think we, we, we it's, it's not that we, let's say, doing a little bit of this and that. It's, it's really best of both worlds. It is both understanding the strategic component, but also being able, software and, and application enabled, to implement it and make it work. And actually, in most of our projects and engagements, uh, delivering returns even within project periods. And uh, we're on the crossroad between customer strategy and the ERNI, the, the energy resources and the industrial space, or the B2B space. So that, that's where we, 
located. Um, that's also because that's where we have the biggest track record. Uh, nevertheless, the solutions we de- uh, developed um, and the AI-driven pricing optimization solutions we have, like PriceCypher, can be deployed in basically all of the other industries as well. And, uh, and we also collaborate, by the way, from an offering point of view, uh, closely with the teams on, uh, on data analytics and uh, business operations and, uh, and those other offerings. Is, is there also a lot of, um, uh, yeah, I would say, kruisbestuiving, um, um, collaboration between people from... Cross-fertilization. Exactly the word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, at the same time, time we're looking for that at the other hand we want to grow in this space and then you need to be a bit focused mm-hmm. and um, uh, jumping on to every opportunity uh, also uh, has the risk of energy dissipation and losing focus and momentum where you want to grow in uh, not necessarily that we always think and want to stay in beat business to business although i still think it's a m- wonderful uh industry um i do know that the team sometimes wants to really explore more in in our eyes exotic uh industries like consumer or um internet or what have you um yeah but uh, for the time being that's that's where we're spaced uh, in and, and where we focus on yeah is, is it gonna change in the future or are you gonna keep this specific focus then? Yeah, all organizations change over time. So uh, n- nothing is carved in stone. We're, an organization is nothing, a building is nothing. It's the people. Yeah. And and we move in, an, in a really, um, in a world that's changing as well. Uh, specifically on pricing, as you may know. There's, there's some tiny little things going on in the environment <laughs> out there. I'm very interested into the, this little place that you, you said. There is a lot going on into the market, right? Yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, yeah. As a customer, let's say, um, how would I feel? Like if I constantly read the news, you know, inflation and prices going really up. How do you see like a customer um, in, this, in this journey? Yeah, I think it's um, it, it requires strong leaders. Leaders that are intelligent, leaders that can act, um, leaders that are taking responsibility, uh, leaders that understand that, like the Germans would say, understand when it becomes chef, sache. Um, um, yeah, the, the meaning for that is that you cannot always delegate so where where to 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 steer from distance and where to intervene and to manage and that's a balancing act and question that i think in many boardroom and leadership positions currently is taking place because basically with the energy crisis where we're in today um the industry in europe is is in big big turmoil and and we noticed that and um companies are seeking for solutions sometimes um Good solutions, sometimes not so good solutions. You have but examples uh, uh, of, of, of that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's um, you, you really need to understand what, what the root causes are, how your company is responding to the inflationary environment they're acting in the energy crisis. And uh, you, you should not jump to, to quick, and quick, uh, quick fixes that actually are not helping at all. Um, uh, I cannot mention really details about it right now, but... That's sometimes what you see, that people are not fixing the right problem. 
And also um, what is very painful is that in some cases the backlog of, of, let's say, upgrading companies to the level that they could perform in situations like this is too big. There are too many things that um, have been neglected over time. Then you also see that customers are suffering in different ways on on the energy crisis uh, today. Um, So first of all, there's, of course, this high inflation uh, caused by... um, It's interesting to understand, by the way, why that, if if you may allow me to to explain it. Please do. Because then you also understand why, uh, how long this crisis may last and also uh, how companies need to brace for impact um, in order to, to go through this next period that we are now entering. And after COVID, uh, there was, of course, a very, um, yeah, v- actually there was a cash surplus at a lot of, um, um, yeah, uh, people living in the Netherlands and, and abroad and spending, uh, saved money on, on all type of things. So demand surged. Um, in parallel to that, uh, supply chains were hampered because uh, factories were closed down. There were some glocks in the Suez Canal, and I, I, you don't know what, so the whole supply stagnated. So that was a classical situation of a disbalance in demand and supply. Now, prices went up. On top of that, um, there's a continuous um, cash position of, 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 of people, and they have an ex- there's an extremely low un- unemployment rate. So um, houses went up tremendously, um, giving people also the possibility to spend a bit more of their savings while they're still having this this ideal situation with the housing. Um, so that that drove up, let's say, inflation tremendously. On top of that, of course, then there is the gas crisis um, with the Ukraine war converting into a full-fledged energy crisis um, with old-fashioned pricing methodologies on how to price uh, energy in Europe. Uh, so what we're entering right now is a long period uh, of high uh, inflation, um, high cost, um, and uh, and a lasting energy crisis. And and I think it will hit like Corona companies in sectors. So if you, for instance, in the B two B industry and you have a gas in uh, or energy intensive uh, manufacturing process, um, yeah, then you have an issue. And normally they go through three stages. First, they try to convert prices towards the customers, but there's an end to that as well. And then they have to look internally at the portfolio. Can we make a shift into high value adding, hence higher price products, higher margin products, and leave out the lower margin products, uh, or shift production if we have production capacity all over the globe, for instance, in, in, in America or in Asia, shift it to, uh, to, to other continents and close it down. Um, which is happening at the moment. So in the chemical industry, a lot of um, base chemical productions, specifically ammonia, which was uh, produced in the Netherlands, is basically stopped. And a net imported in Rotterdam at the moment is piling up in ammonia terminals to, to import it. Um, so that, that shift is taking place. And, and the third level um, is that um, the, the technology underneath all these companies um, has to be changed. So the ammonia, again, is running on a, on, a, on, a, on a chemical process which is invented before World War I. Um, and it's a gas-guzzling technology. could be replaced by hydrogen. And um, so, yeah, 
there has unfortunately, I have to say, a positive flip side to this, that and companies are going to understand that ultimately they will compete on technologies. And that's um, a major trend. And I think that Deloitte can help on these three levels uh, in all facets of their company. Uh, supply chain, manufacturing, um, sustainability, um, but also, of course, pricing. And uh, price positioning of the portfolios, uh, price, uh, pricing of, 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 of deals outside to their customers. So it's, it's, it's a big space where we can help. Hmm. You just mentioned that um, companies are going to compete to each other on the level of technology and there are certain parts of Deloitte that could contribute to these companies. How does pricing align with the bigger picture, the bigger idea of Deloitte, the bigger goals that they have? Now, I think that, yeah, good question. I think that if you, let's say, would s- search for alignment with goals and envision of um, of Deloitte, of course, one of the key things is sustainability. Um, we, we finally start literally feeling the impact of unsustainable behavior over the, uh, over the recent decades or, or longer. And, um, and what you sell is, um, is part of that. And uh, what you sell is it comes with a price. And... Um, and we are completely aware of that. Um, and, and you can do ethical things with prices, but you can also do very unethical things with prices. And prices are also an instrument to tune in value chains, where especially in B2B, where multiple companies are going from product go from, from raw material to intermediates to final products. Uh, they all interact on sustainability correlated factors and price plays a role in there. And... Um, so we, we have done research on that and, and uh, studying on it. We call it the green price. Um, and uh, we do, do see opportunities to, um, to facilitate companies. It's not going to be an easy one uh, because always, uh, there's always a, a balance between making profit, uh, the old school approach of uh, building a company, and where is the limit to that, and where, where do we share, and where do we sp- spread uh, profits in order to uh, empower other uh, change in the value chain uh, to to improve. That's great. No, indeed, I I really like this vision of the green price that could be like also an ethical one, right? We, you were mentioning before like the ethical part of price and how in this scenario companies could also behave unethically. Um, yeah, that that's happening. I mean. The bigger, the bigger um, problems with pricing are pricing mechanisms that don't work, like energy pricing composition and framework in Europe at the moment. Uh, as you know, um, the gas or the energy prices are determined by the, by the highest uh, price bid on, uh, on, on, uh, on, on energy, for instance, at this moment, gas. Now, green energy is making... Lifting on that, making huge profits, um, and that system clearly doesn't work, uh, to my opinion. I can can spend a lot of time on it to explain why, but leaving it there. Another interesting, unethical, I think most likely one of the most unethical aspects of of pricing is price fixing, where the Netherlands unfortunately has a very long trail of incidents and accidents on that. But um, yeah, there are a couple of 
yeah, very big price-fixing scandals, um, multi-million dollar fines. The European legislation, a little bit mild, too mild, I think, on that. And the US, you go straight to jail. Um, it's a highly illegal criminal offense to agree with your competitors on, uh, on prices. It's destructive, uh, it's killing innovation, and it's very harmful for, um, for consumers. That's why I always have a close connection and a warm feeling for the ACM in the Netherlands, Authority Consumer and Markets. They are the antitrust body of the Netherlands. I think it's one of the most important critical organ, uh, organizations to, to protect consumers. Interesting. And do you think on that, that the situation we're currently on could somehow uh, speed up the process um, into a, like a change of mechanism in a better way? Yeah, I think so. Because what you see underneath is... Um, uh, to get out of this is, is uh, sustain, uh, following w- the sustainable route. Um, so, yes, I think it will... Um, it's unfortunately that we need this crisis. It's unfortunately we need to even to have, of course, that, that terrible war. But it is, in, it, 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 is, yeah, it is expediting this whole change and this transformation. And, and sustainable, uh, sustainability pays which is dramatic, but apparently uh, sustainably starts to work if you can <laughs> make money with it. Right. Um, yeah, I was um, going to take a step back um, into more of the, the things that pricing does. Um, let's say I, I would be a client. What kind of benefits would I expect from working with pricing in Deloitte? Um, yeah, good question. Of course, I have my ready to answer question which <laughs> i will g- give first by the way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then uh, dive into what 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 more than that is there to do uh, i think first um, pricing is sometimes for companies uh, invisible and intangible we make it tangible uh, quantitatively uh, we pull data out and we visualize instantly where the value leakage is um, and and i think in, in 90% of the cases, this is already a uh, revelation for, for many companies. We do that in an automated way, um, because we're doing this already for decades. Uh, so we know instantly what views are making an impact. And uh, this is clubbed together into uh, what our solution, Price Cipher. Uh, you put the data in, and it gives you exactly those views where the values leak. That's step one. Step two is... Um, you want to recover and repair um, prices that are not logical. And, um, and what we discover is that in most cases in the B2B space, on average, and, and that's shocking, that of, of let's say 100 million euro uh, revenue or sales, of every 100 million euro revenue and sales, 30% is priced wrong. Meaning that 30 million is either too high or too low. Uh, and which is due to the fact that in B2B, um, in all cases, uh, contracts and deals are closed between human beings who talk about price and discounts. So it's variating tremendously from, from left to right and from top to bottom. And um, price cipher is a calculation uh, mechanism, a set of algorithms tuned to these industries that uh, reveals the negotiation footprints of buying customers and telling them exactly um, what the 
appreciated discount would be of this buying customer. That's a tremendous help for negotiating sales forces because then they have a next aiming point to, to look to into their deals and their negotiations they have compared to the old price, which may be an outlayer, or a product-based price, which may be outdated. Uh, it gives them feedback on where they should aim for. And the third level is repositioning of the base portfolio. Um, they sell products and they sell expensive products having a higher value, uh, selling uh, cheaper products with a lower value. Um, as a consumer, you can have numerous pro- uh, examples of that. Uh, even in the paint space, you have cheap paint, you have expensive paint, uh, etc. Um, but the positioning and the thinking about what their price level should be is also what we can calculate for them. Um, so those are, on average, the three major uh, services we provide. Did it ever happen that, I don't know, a client said, oh, this is so obvious, <laughs> how didn't I see it before? Yeah, that, that's actually what I no- should not tell as a consultant, but <laughs> there are sometimes pictures that I think, yeah, this is so obvious, um, I, I feel a little bit ashamed to show it, but th- those are the ones that make the highest impact. <laughs> and... and um, I, I mean, most companies are still, as an example, um, confused and, and surprised about their customer base buildup. If you just rank on size your entire customer base, in most cases you will figure out that half of it is not contributing at all or less than 5% to the total revenue of your company. Now that, that, That's a big eye-opener if you understand what, what all type of effort and energy and sales uh, visits you're making to this tail of customers. and um, But also that your pricing policy can be differentiated. You should treat these small customers with a different pricing policy than your big customers um, that, that are loyal over many years. Um, so this differentiation is the first insight companies get based on these analytics. Awesome. I was wondering if there is uh, a project that taught you something special or the most. Yeah, there's not one specifically, but uh, the big um, yeah, uh, learning uh, over time is that um, um, in the beginning we started projects and we, we listed up way too much. Uh, the, as mentioned in my, the beginning of this interview, um, pricing is so white so broad, everything is in there. So uh, you can start everywhere. Strategy, tactics, operations, uh, pricing systems, uh, tools. Even if, when you talk about price itself, whether, uh, is it cost price, is it net price, is it gross price, is it floor price, is it walk away price, is it list price, base price. So it's, 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 it's too much. So what we learned is to, um, it's mu- too much, in most cases, too much to handle for, for our clients. And we really need to narrow that down to that uh, or to those things that really make an impact. And although sometimes companies really know what they want and want to jump immediately to, to, to fixing a, uh, a problem with a, yeah, with a solution we have, it is always good to run these analytics and really have a quantitative picture where is really value leaking, where are your opportunities, how much effort is it going to take to get it out? Is your organization capable of, of doing that? And that means also getting it work 
um, with people in a headquarter with a PowerPoint determining what should be done is not making any any penny uh, in improvement for the company. It's as weak as the, the people in the front line can execute it. And that insight uh, is the big thing to, because in, if, if as a consultant you want to do everything, you say, okay, well, you could do, but narrow it down to one, two, max three things. Cool. Um, before we close off, uh, Ruth, is there anything you still like to say to the audience or um, any last comments? Yeah, li- li- listening to your questions and the discussion we had, um, I think that um, when you talk about pricing, you think, oh, that's only one thing. But you should realize that actually everything is in there. Uh, so I really would enjoy talking to uh, colleagues at Deloitte or, or always customers, of course, but to intrigue them for this thing. Uh, because there's, you can everything you want to do, you will find it under this umbrella of pricing. And, um, and it is also bringing you to the core of companies. So if you're really interested in how companies run, um, this, is, this, is, this is the place to be. And uh, you get a very, very nice picture on how companies uh, operate. Oh. Nice, that sounds yeah. lovely. We'll leave your uh, contact information uh, in the description, uh, so people can uh, can find you there. Yep. I'd like to thank you very much. Yes. I hope you enjoyed it. We certainly Absolutely. did. Absolutely. We did. Yes, thanks very much. <laughs>